Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. Thank you for tuning in. So glad to have you here. Today, we head over to Dublin, Ireland, as I am joined by Alan Costello, the Venture Investment Leader for NDRC. NDRC is an organization that has been supporting and investing in the Irish startup ecosystem for over 10 years now. NDRC has invested in some of the leading Irish startups, including Soundwave, which was acquired by Spotify, Boxever, and FieldAware, just to name a few. On this episode, Alan and I dive into the evolution and current state of the venture and angel capital across Ireland. If you're still not subscribed to the podcast, now is the perfect time to do so to make sure you never miss an episode. And we're even on your Amazon Alexa and Google Home smart speaker under the global startup movement skill. And now I give you my interview with Alan Costello, the venture investment leader at NDRC. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond. Here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So, Alan, thanks for coming on the show. It's really great to have you here. Uh, why don't you start us off with maybe a little bit about you, your story, and how you originally ended up with NDRC? Sure, and th- thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. My background is actually as a scientist originally um, in pharmaceutical sciences, and I was doing some research, and the work that we were doing I realized was going to be commercially relevant in about 20 years time. And that didn't sit well with me. I come from an entrepreneurial background and my family has had businesses before. And I realized that I was much closer to the customer. So I joined the pharmaceutical industry in commercial roles. And that was my first career. Ended up progressing through sales, product management, marketing and strategic roles in a number of big pharma. And then... After completing an MBA, I set up my own consulting business. And like all good consultants, it was a case of do as I say, not as I do. So I had no plan. I didn't have a lot of structure in mind. I said, I've got some fun stuff that I want to do. Let's go explore. And I started working with startup companies in Ireland. Uh, this is about, I guess, the, uh, about 2008, 2010, 2012 helping them to identify how to grow internationally, because that's what I had done before. I understood the technology part. I understood the growing and the commercial side of it. But I realized that in order to do that as a startup company, as opposed to the corporates that I was working before, they needed some investment. So I started getting in tune with the investment sector, angels and VCs, and evolved into a position where uh, I I put myself in, in the center of this triad of understand technology, understand commercial growth, and understand the investment needed to do that. And I did that for about 10 years and thoroughly enjoyed uh, all the work that I did with startups uh, and scaling SMEs. I was also involved in some startups myself because I decided I I had to do as well as say. Uh, And about 18 months ago uh, in spring 17, I joined NDRC, which is an early stage technology accelerator in Dublin, but also expanding, which we'll probably talk about. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I guess during your your 10 years, uh, I believe you said you started in in 2008 kind of working with startups. Can you walk me through the discovery process on your end when it comes to helping to connect the the entrepreneurs and the Irish ecosystem to capital? You know, what what was the access to VC and angel capital in country relative to now? 
So it's a pretty interesting question because around about that time, we suffered the banking crash, construction crash, uh, and we, we were had our own version of the global liquidity crisis that happened in 08 to 010. Uh, it hit Ireland pretty bad. But it was interesting. I realized afterwards that I was probably a little bit insulated from that because uh, I and my clients and the people that I wanted to work with were optimistic, entrepreneurial, they were almost designed in their thinking to want to change the world. So we, we almost had this isolation and maybe artificial isolation from some of the wider economic stuff that was going on in Ireland. Connectivity um, to the investment community at that stage had a couple of sides to it. I, I kind of naturally fell into a mode of helping startups to connect to sectoral angels. I didn't know they were angel investors. I thought that there were people who had had successful businesses or had made money from the sectors. And I thought that that was the most natural conduit for those startups to get both capital, but also smart capital and a little black book of uh, connected uh, connected advisors. And that, that turned out to be true. There was also an instance where because of the economic crash, there was extra stimulation and follow-on stimulation from the government into the venture capital community. And that played out in about 2011, 2012, with the creation of new seed funds and follow-on seed funds, uh, which is is an environmental factor that has been quite positive within Ireland. But I do remember uh, unusual difficulties in terms of bringing projects to wealthy individuals. And they'd say, uh, you know, maybe 09, and they'd say, look, Alan, we're interested in the project, but we've got kind of bigger things to think about here. We're in the middle of an economic crisis. We don't know if we're going to fall out of the euro. We don't know what's going to happen to the euro as a currency. We don't know what's going to happen to Ireland Inc. Uh, we have that level of macroeconomic uncertainty that we're not going to go investing in startups just yet. Now, six months later, things had settled down and those guys were putting the money to work um, again. And that, that was useful. But there was, there was uncertainty uh, around that time at a, at a macro level. Now in 2018, how much capital is there locally in Ireland, uh, say relative to the UK, or maybe the, the better context to take that is, is Europe, but I'll, I'll let you decide. I suppose this is going to be a slightly long answer because I'm going to give you maybe a little bit of context as to the Irish investment community. We're a country of about 4 million people and our venture capital and angel investment community has been developing over the last 20 years. Over the last 20 years, there's probably been about 25 different early stage VC funds. Probably five or six of them have followed through with a second or a third fund. And they follow through in cycles because one of the main LPs, limited partners in Ireland is Enterprise Ireland, who competitively award funds to help seed and create early stage venture capital funds. So those funds go in cycles and sometimes there are, there are lag times in it. And, and we're, we're probably experiencing a little bit of a lag time in that at, at this point in time. I think the last seed funds probably ran out in 2018 or maybe the end of 2017. So they're going to be, we hope, renewed. So that there's been some changes in the system. But at the same time, angel investment has increased and uh, we're seeing, I, I suppose, 15 years ago, angel investment was about... Uh, people who had made money from their existing businesses and had spare capital. And over the last 15 years, we're starting to see a lot of angels who have had exits and are actually putting that money to work. And I I classify those angels as as slightly different. And particularly, we're seeing, I suppose, technology angels from uh, that maybe exited in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, even 2010, starting to invest again and reinvest in new portfolios of startups. 
So access to capital here uh, on the private investment side is, is interesting. It goes through the usual positive and negative dynamics that probably all countries have. One other factor that's important to note is that I mentioned Enterprise Ireland earlier on, and they have a couple of other investment products, particularly at pre-seed and at, in, in a sense at the seed stage. So there's about 250 startups a year are supported by Enterprise Ireland uh, through a number of different investment programs. And that, I think, proportionally to our population is a pretty strong performance and something that we've benefited from for the last 10 years. So there's no doubt, and coming back to, to your question and maybe the, the specific of it, there's no doubt that there's more capital available in London and there's probably more, there's more capital available in Paris and Berlin. But access to capital proportional to the amount of startups and to the population that we have here uh, means that I think we were relatively successful and we've probably punched above our weight. And there's, there's some data to suggest that, but there'll be more capital in other places, but maybe there's, a, there's different types of accessibility in Ireland. Right. And I mean, it, it really seems to me, and, and we did an episode on uh, on Cork, Ireland uh, about a year ago now. And, you know, a lot of the conversation was around how Ireland is really a, a hub for international startups to kind of HQ there and, uh, and and look to expand into Europe. I feel like the result of that is is a lot of, I, I would say, uh, international talent coming to, to Google and Facebook and uh, all these big tech companies that are HQ'd on uh, on, on the island, is I mean, is that is that exactly what you're seeing as well? Uh, yeah, and the, the, there's a couple of aspects of that. So, uh, Irish public policy for about the last 50 years has been to encourage uh, foreign direct investment. It started off with pharmaceutical, moved through computer hardware, uh, and now uh, the three main sectors that of foreign direct investment will be around medical devices, around financial services, and transaction processing and around tech, uh, broad tech scenario. So there's headquarters here or significant operations from Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, Slack, um, and and many more. I couldn't couldn't even begin to think of them. Many of those are based in Dublin, of course. uh, You highlighted before that they're in Cork. There's a a policy of trying to spread it around the country, and that regional development is something that's quite interesting to us here in NDRC. So that leads to a couple of things. One, we have startups who want to come and interact with those uh, global giants. And sometimes uh, they have points of access, management teams and startup access programs that are based here in Dublin and also London. We have increasingly people who have been trained, developed and understand the culture and ambition of that scale of tech company thinking what can we do here ourselves? And that sort of culture and thinking uh, being embedded into Irish startups is is a huge DNA piece that we're, we're starting to see. It hasn't, hasn't fully emerged yet because a lot of those operations will have small to medium-sized technology groups and they'd have a lot of customer service and sales operations. But we are starting to see people who have been uh, technologists who have been spent time in those large corporates coming out and doing their, their startups. There's a couple of reasons uh, why the international piece is, is quite interesting to Ireland and has been quite successful. And so you, you are the uh, the venture investment leader at, at NDRC. And so can you tell me and, and just kind of walk me through maybe your your investment philosophy, uh, you know, what, what stage you like to get involved in? Uh, and just t- tell me a little bit about, about the fund. So NDRC has been around, this is our 10th year of investing. We've, uh, we're an early stage technology accelerator. Uh, we've invested in over 250 startups over that last 10 years. And that has 
probably sharply increased over the last two years um, as we've taken on some some other new projects. We invest in uh, about 50 companies a year at the moment, maybe 45 companies a year at the moment. And we have a broad remit. We Our, our, our funding is actually a, a specialist fund from the Department of Communications who are invested in all things digital, who are invested in all things uh, about digital capability and enablement. So we... Uh, we will invest in anything that touches digital, which of course is a broad church. We probably have some biases. We won't say no to uh, a digital project, but we probably have some biases towards uh, enterprise software. Uh, we also look at some IoT projects. Uh, we like uh, deep tech. We have a, our original remit was, uh, and we continue to do so, is around uh, supporting the Irish university and third level research sector to commercialize digital technologies uh, that are, are interesting and ready to be commercialized. But we are, one of the things that really is, is clear about us is that we invest early. Uh, so we invest between 30 and 100,000 euros in early stage companies. So we're usually the first equity, maybe some friends and family uh, have gone in, but we're usually the first equity that has gone in. And we're looking for companies um, I suppose this sounds uh, maybe a little bit obvious, but we're looking for companies that have a global ambition and a global capability. We're looking for teams that are uh, coachable uh, because we see a really important piece for us is that it's not just about the capital. It's about the program that companies undertake when they join our accelerator, which is supportive and is also a lot of push. Um, And we we ask a lot of questions uh, about businesses in order to take them through, I suppose, the lean startup process. Um, to see if we can prove problem solution fit, attain product market fit, and be ready for later stage private investment. That's our remit. You know, it's interesting. Everyone that I talk to in in the Ireland scene is is, is involved in some sort of accelerator, which which I think is interesting. But could you maybe talk to me about what are what are, what are some of the, the sexiest uh, startup verticals? What would you say right now in Ireland? It's an interesting question because we, we do see patterns and clusters. Um, and we were talking about this recently. Last summer, we saw a lot of startups applying to us that were doing things in property tech or rental tech um, around that broad uh, remit and probably led by uh, a housing constriction and a housing bubble. We've been through a property boom and bust. We've been through a rental boom and bust, and there's a huge constriction and constraint in availability of rental properties in Dublin at the moment in particular, and to, to a lesser degree, the rest of the country. So we saw these clusters. I've also seen clusters in sports tech and sports tech hardware is applying uh, sensors um, to different sports and seeing if we can gather data that's simple, analyze, interpret, and make meaningful, meaningful actions out of it. Well, that, that's a little bit more tricky. Hot at the moment, we're seeing obviously a lot of uh, companies applying to us with uh, aspects of blockchain. Uh, we're seeing probably things like AI, machine learning. Machine learning is probably a given uh, at this stage. Um, that we're, we're moving on to more advanced thinking, where collecting data is fine, analyzing data is fine, learning from it is interesting, applying it is going to be something in whatever use case you're, you're looking at is something that's a little bit more valuable. And so what, what's the, uh, the you, you mentioned blockchain there. I'd be curious to hear that this, really the, the public sentiment towards towards crypto in, in, in Ireland. I suspect this is like other countries. It'd be interesting to get your own perspective on this. I think if you're a crypto enthusiast, you're 
converted. You're over the other side of, of the the coin already. And you think that crypto is going to take over the world and central banks can pack up and go home. Uh, I'm personally not, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's interesting use cases for uh, good Bitcoins, uh, sorry, for good coins uh, like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum in particular. Uh, but I'm more interested in blockchain. Um, and so the, the processes and the thinking behind blockchain, I think, has use cases uh, in obviously in supply chain, um, around uh, uh, authentication processes. Uh, it happens to be that the first use case that we've gone public with is around cryptocurrencies. But I think blockchain is potentially more, more useful. Uh, it's going to follow a Gartner hype cycle uh, type format where we, everyone thinks that if we put it on the blockchain, it's distributed, it's secure, it's authenticated and authenticatable. But and we've we've almost done that. And uh, I saw some headlines this week from the States that suggested that US corporate engagement with blockchain uh, was falling a little bit because we went very enthusiastically forward. I think in 12 to 18 months, we're going to find some interesting use cases that are a little bit sticky. Um, don't fully know what they're going to be yet. I, I probably think about authentication in the supply chain is, is going to be interesting. Um, so it's going to go through its cycles. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm seeing a similar thing in, in other countries as well. So the one thing that I would point to that I actually just came across a week ago that, that's super interesting is there's a service called Local Bitcoin, which is essentially a, a peer-to-peer marketplace to, to buy and sell. And what's interesting is to you can look at the activity by country. And you can see that in, in the US, in the UK, in Europe, in China, countries that are kind of more developed, have somewhat stable uh, fiat currencies, the volume follows almost exactly the price action of Bitcoin, where you had the spike uh, and then the drop. But if you look at countries that are in Africa or South America, the volume and the activity actually don't follow the price. It's exponentially increasing every single month. Um, and so I, I, I could send over the link, but it's a really interesting chart to, to look at and kind of compare trends country to country. Uh, and it really seems like the ones that maybe, uh, you know, the Venezuelas, the, the countries in Africa without the stable fiats, you know, while crypto is volatile, it's, it's volatile in, in the right direction <laughs> as, as opposed to a lot of the fiat currencies that uh, are, are taking a downtrend. So I, I, I enjoy talking about some of the macroeconomic stuff, but I'm not uh, entirely qualified to do so. But it's interesting to think about that as acting as a hedge, as a secure currency. We used to do that with gold. Uh, and maybe we're, we're looking for a digital equivalent. Don't think uh, Bitcoin or, or cryptocurrencies have that level of security or stability yet. There's also stories out about uh, how much of the price increase last year in, in 2017 was manipulated by unseen market forces, shall we say. Um, but there's no doubt that there, there's going to be a, a huge value of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I particularly, I'm interested in Ethereum just because of the stability and the backing it has got. But there's, there's room for, for several of them. What I'm be more slightly more concerned about um, is, is around the wider ICOs. Uh, everybody thinks they can do an ICO. Everybody thinks that it is an easier way to raise a lot of money. I think there's uh, undoubtedly a bubble uh, going on in ICOs. And I think we're, we're the wider crypto market is going to feel a backlash uh, when I think ICOs take a step backwards. 
Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and so, Alan, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round. But before we do that, one more question I want to hear from you. Uh, if you had to point to one, what would you say is is really the biggest gap or, or weakness currently in uh, the Irish tech ecosystem? So the one that we've been calling, there's a couple that we've been calling out for a while. Um, availability of pre-seed funding is is okay. Availability of seed funding can be very okay uh, at the moment there's a little bit of a lag in that but that will be solved but the availability of a and later round funding in ireland is is a challenge uh, our our vc community our economic environment isn't strong enough to sustain several hundred 200 300 million euro funds so what happens is that our startups inevitably raise a round and later funds in london or east or west coast us and to a degree, that's okay. That's exposing you to both international funds and international markets. Uh, but it would be nice to see uh, some of these companies being able to grow from Ireland and being able to raise uh, some of their funds in Ireland. The, at the other end of the scale, uh, something that we the community has been calling out for some time is a policy issue around the tax treatment of entrepreneurs. Um, sometimes they, they have different terms and conditions in their taxation policy at a personal level, both during the process and on exit. Um, and I think that uh, if if there was some policy changes there, it would both incentivize entrepreneurs and incentivize reinvestment afterwards um, on on successful outcomes. Uh, there there are some of the gaps that we're looking at at the moment. Awesome. So, Alan, we always finish off with a quick fire round. Four questions up to sixty seconds each. Sound good? Okay. Didn't warn me about this, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> What is your favorite business or, or startup book and why? Okay, I've got to answer this in a quick far way. You've asked the wrong guy because I run a library of startup resources, um, which I can share with you as a link. Uh, I love business books and startup books. At the moment, my top two are The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And uh, I think uh, all of the books by Brad Feld, particularly uh, the, uh, uh, the Everything Store, which is his uh, account of Amazon. So over the next 10 years, uh, what, what industry is going to produce or, or, or what startup vertical uh, is going to produce the next global consumer uh, unicorn coming out of Ireland? Um, so there's, there's probably a couple. Uh, the next global unicorn out of Ireland, we, we already have one in Intercom, which uh, produces chatbots. Their most recent fundraising uh, just a couple of months ago talked about unicorn status. <laughs> Uh, so I think those guys are, are, are rock stars and they're pretty interesting. If I'm looking for next ones, I think you, you may be looking at uh, something in the fintech sector, particularly payments. Uh, the uh, National Payments Corridor is a new, a new development that's looking at online transaction processing. I think with Euro, English speaking, Brexit and lots of other macro issues, I think there is going to be an opportunity for payments and online transaction processing to come out of Ireland. So this is going to be a, a really tough one, uh, but I want to ask it. What is the, the, in your opinion, the best pub in Ireland? Um, okay, we're going to have to get <laughs> real parochial on this one. So I'm from a little town about 20 minutes north of Dublin, Dublin Airport. Uh, it's a town called Drogheda. If you're Googling it at the moment, you'll see that the biggest festival of Irish, celebra- Irish culture is on there at the moment. There's a pub there called Carberry's. Um, they don't have cash registers. They only installed smoke alarms uh, recently. They don't have TVs. Uh, they just have music. It's awesome. And finally, uh, what is your favorite thing about living in Dublin? I, 
Um, I think the diversity across the city. It's a very European city uh, for some of the reasons we discussed earlier on. European and global city. I think it's uh, tech central. I think you've got some Irish culture. So let me see if I repeat that answer uh, through the questions that you've asked me. You've got a culture represented by your pub question. You've got an international culture represented by your uh, discussion on the foreign direct investments. And you've got a technology culture uh, based around everything else that kind of all marries together in Dublin. Awesome. Well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on the show. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 